0: Thanks for tuning in to the ISEF podcast. This episode is sponsored by Centennial College and College Avalon.
1: I believe Canada is a great destination, future destination for the any international student wants to come here. I think in Canada, they can find lots of job opportunities when they graduate and they, when they finish their education. And part of our immigration strategy is to look to those uh, students as becoming the new, you know, Canadian uh, future.
2: Canada is very interesting destination for international students, not only because it's a multicultural country, but also because of the good standard of education. Postgraduate work permit and then permanent residence.
3: It makes Canada even more of an attractive destination for students to come and study and, and live and eventually thrive in the country. So I think uh, the future is promising for students coming to
1: Canada.
0: This and more in this new episode of the ICEF podcast, your monthly review for education professionals in the international student recruitment industry. Be sure to subscribe via your favourite podcast player and join us for a new episode available every month.
4: Thanks Lucinda and welcome back everyone. My name is Martijn van der Veen, Vice President of Business Development here at ICEF, and this month's episode is recorded live at the ICEF International Education Networking Events in Toronto and Montreal. So it probably won't surprise you that our main topic is Canada. Canada as a study destination, a very popular one indeed. We will take a look at all the factors that make Canada with its three territories and ten provinces so unique and appealing for international students. We will also tune in specifically on Quebec due to its unique position as an attractive North American study destination for education in French as well as French language programs. So do stay tuned as we will first kick off with a brief look at some news and developments in our sector and of course we will conclude the episode as always with a final section, Keys to the Market and this month that market is
3: Iran
0: up the main topic of discussion for this episode, but first, as in each month, we kick off with a look at some recent news and developments in the international student recruitment industry.
4: Greg, welcome. We're sitting in the same room in Toronto. This is the first time I'm delighted to see you in front of me rather than through a screen. What scream. a wonderful change. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's lovely to be here. Thank you.
4: It's a home game for you, Craig. But before we move to Canada, uh, I thought we'd briefly focus on Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that the uh, in Nigeria, most students of course want to study abroad, but many also need financial aid. I thought it was interesting because isn't that the case for every country?
3: You know, it reflects a characteristic of some of the important growth markets in Africa, which is that affordability is a much bigger concern for those students than is the case from other important sending markets in uh, Asia or Latin America, let's say. Perhaps the important bit of context that could be added about Nigeria is that, of course, the oil and gas industry is one of the most important economic sectors in the country. And through that industry, there are large volumes of scholarships that are available for students that are going abroad. And so students that need financial aid may be able to secure it at home to a greater extent than would often be the case. But the, what I found interesting, and the, and the item you're referring to, is based on a survey of just over 4,000 prospective Nigerian students that was done uh, earlier this year. And what I found interesting about it, well, there are a couple of things. One is that in that survey... Almost all of the students said they wanted to go abroad to study, so 9 in 10 wanted to go abroad to study. But the other thing that went right alongside that, and this, honestly this is the first time I can remember seeing this kind of finding in a, a student survey like this, is that more than half said that their preferred mode of study was online.
4: Fully online, blended? or Fully, fully online. Just over half mm-hmm. said
3: they would prefer mm-hmm. to study online. Another 13% said blended, right? So. Begin online, transition yeah. to on campus yeah. study. Mm-hmm. That left only about four in ten that said they wanted to go abroad in a conventional sense and study their entire degree mm-hmm. in a different country. That says something about the role of online higher education in addressing markets that have like really high levels of demand, as does Nigeria. And it says something about an important growth market like that has some issues in terms of students moving outside the country. So the ability to fund study abroad, the ability to access foreign exchange, uh, the ability to secure a study permit or study visa, those are all things that may uh, mean that there are some students that would like to study abroad that will not be able to do so in a, in a conventional sense.
4: Yeah. I understand. Well, Nigeria is, of course, a powerhouse as a source mark for international students, but the powerhouse, one of the two big powers, of course, India. And I read about India simplifying procedures for foreign institution partnerships in an effort to attract foreign students to study in India. I find that a very interesting development because we've discussed it earlier when we talked in the Keys to the Market, I think it was about Colombia, but countries also uh, trying to get students to come to their country to study. What can you tell me about yeah, this sure. effort in India?
3: No, I think it's it's very clear that India has ambitions to also be a study an important study destination within South Asia. The item you're referring to is a recent announcement from the University Grants Commission, which is kind yeah. of the administrative body for higher education in India. Uh, basically, announcing that Indian students and foreign students alike will now have uh, greater opportunities to participate in twinned programs and dual degree programs or joint degree programs administered through universities in India but also with a foreign partner right so in under under this new model students can take up to 30% of their course credits from a foreign university and have them applied to a joint degree or a twin degree awarded by an Indian institution. It's reflecting, I think, a couple of things. Uh, One is what you referred to earlier, that they have an interest in being a more competitive study destination. It's also reflecting, I think, what we were just talking about, which is that that definition of what is an international student is not as simply made as it would have been even ten years ago. You know, we're seeing... So many new models emerging in terms of program delivery and how students are being served between in-person and online instruction and everything else. And I think that, yeah, that's when I saw that announcement, I thought, well, that's just another example of that. We're seeing these new models that are coming, you know, in leading study destinations and elsewhere, in the case of India, a leading sending market. And we can understand, I think, that these will change the complexion of international education in the decade ahead right I feel like we're at a point where we're stepping off into a different kind of future for international education and it's going to 10 years from now when we look back I think we'll feel like we're working in a very different kind of context. Let's discuss that in 10 years from now and see where that has went, right? episode, whatever that is.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Now, talking about Indian students, clearly Canada is very popular with Indian students and there are lots of relations with Indian agencies. So let's let's move to that topic. Let's move to Canada as an important study destination, not just for Indians, but for students from all over the world.
0: For the main topic of discussion for this episode, in section 1, we look at Canada as a study destination.
4: As announced earlier, our main topic this month is of course Canada, and the good thing is that here at ISAF Toronto we have more than 1,000 delegates, industry professionals, who are all focused on North America, and Canada in particular, as a destination for international students from all corners of the world. So we've taken this opportunity to walk around the conference floor and ask various delegates the question, how do you see the future of Canada as destination for international students and I'll share some of their answers with you in a minute. But I will also ask that same question to our guests today and in addition to Craig and myself, I'm pleased to welcome Magda Link, Vice President of Global Sales at ILEC, one of the most awarded English language schools in the world with campuses in Toronto and Vancouver. Welcome, Magda. Thank you, Martin. It's great to be here. Thank you. Joining Magda is Tavi Pather, Associate Vice President International at Saskatchewan Polytechnic, the primary public institution for post-secondary technical education and skills training in Saskatchewan. And hi, Tavi. Thanks for joining. Thanks. And Ana Paula de Souza. Senior Manager Corporate Sales at Air Canada, the flag carrier and the largest airline of Canada, and first timer at Ice of Toronto. Welcome Anna. Thank you
2: for being here. Thank you very much.
4: Great to have you as a panel. And now that we're all set, let's have a listen to what our delegates had to say about the future of Canada as destination for international students. And we've put together a little summary of around two and a half minutes.
1: I believe Canada is a great destination, future destination, for any international student who wants to come here. I think in Canada they can find lots of job opportunities when they graduate and when they finish their education.
2: Canada is and will keep being a very interesting destination for international students. Not only because it's a multicultural country, but also because of the good standard of education and all the possibilities for students to work. Postgraduate work permit, and then ask for permanent residence. It will still a very good destination.
4: Hi, I'm Steve from InfoCUS Film School. Um, I guess since the pandemic, there has been a huge increase in international students. Um, they prefer it to other countries. It's a marvelous destination, and I'm seeing more and more people recognize that it's a, a great country to live in, and, and lots of jobs are available here. So it's an ideal, uh, an ideal solution. Well, Canada is definitely growing and the number of the institutions offering international education is growing in Canada as well and the interest from the world. So I think the future is amazing and we will see more agents and more
1: schools coming to the conferences. Okay, I think that uh, Canada is already a destination uh, for international students and part of our immigration strategy is to look to those uh, students as becoming the new you know, Canadian uh, future. So so we look uh, we, we see it as a very positive thing and we hope that it continues to grow.
5: I think Canada will continue to grow uh, and attract students from all across uh, the world and various different educational institutions from K to 12 to post-secondary institutions. Uh, We were hit pretty hard during the pandemic, but we rely really heavily on the contributions that international students make to our communities uh, and to our economy. And I think we're really poised to continue to support them in their journeys to uh, obtaining a Canadian uh, education. And I look forward to being part of that growth and that journey in the years to come.
1: I see Canada as a top destination for international students going forward. I
3: think uh, coming out of COVID and, and going back, I think the way that uh, you know other countries have handled the pandemic, I think it makes Canada even more of an attractive destination for students to come and study and, and live and eventually thrive in the country. So I think uh, the future is
1: promising for students coming to Canada.
4: Magda, I'm I'm sure you'll agree that the outlook here is so positive, great destination, job opportunities, multicultural country, great standard of education, work opportunities, access to permanent residency, and, and I can go on. Do you share this optimism?
5: Yes, absolutely. And certainly over the last couple of years, um, as someone mentioned, it's been a very challenging time for our industry but it has also allowed many of our organizations to digitize and offer something for students that wasn't necessarily there. We did see an increase of students studying online. Overnight, we had to move about 2,000 students and, and create an online school, but I think that digitization was probably quite necessary. As a result, we have created a fantastic online platform for students to make it more affordable too, because if you're coming to Canada, you can take your English language program online. If you have plans to go to one of our pathway partners, or our p- public-private partnership schools, you don't have to spend that time. You're studying online here in Canada. You can't work if you're bringing your family. That's quite costly for anyone. So students were able to do the Pathways program online and then come here directly and enter colleges or universities. And really, that has seen tremendous growth. Uh, I think our Pathway partners, Tevi, you're one of them. That I'm was, pleased to be one. Yes, <laughs> exactly. It's been really wonderful because the Pathway uh, partners recognize the online language learning. but. You know i mean canada is a fantastic place we, we know that right it's a wonderful place to be it's a very welcoming place and our government has done incredible things uh during covid to help us survive and thrive mm. and you know sort of give our partners around the world life jackets to yeah. continue right
4: so the shift to online is not unique for canada but there are many other aspects of canada that make the country so unique and attractive for Absolutely. international students what are some of those aspects of that
6: you know just listening to the recordings and everyone alluded to the future Yeah, Canada is still growing and uh, The latest census suggested we grew by about a million in the last five years But what's very important to know is that we have set up an inverse growth in terms of most of the people the above 60s are growing we, we we have a shortfall in terms of young people mm-hmm. and the young people who come to Canada have a bright future and I think They are going to be part of a rebuilding exercise in terms of decolonization and supporting indigenous people to gain their rightful place at the table. So it's an exciting future. Uh, And I think when I see young people who come with their families, that's the future Mm -hmm. that they're bringing Mm -hmm. to this country. And we welcome that. Yeah. Well, I think we agree that that future is
4: indeed exciting but if you let's say compare Canada to the UK or to the United States to Australia of course all great destinations I'm sure we all agree but what is it that makes Canada so special and attractive Anna?
2: Yeah, definitely I can jump here. What I heard, you know, I think it's pretty much everything. Great country, the quality of the education, the quality of the life here. I think this is why Canada becomes such a, the current too sometimes, yeah. not all the time, but most of the time helps. and. Uh, But I think the biggest component, when you decide to leave your country, and I definitely can talk on behalf of Mm -hmm. them because I'm one of them. (laughs) Uh, When you decide to leave your country and go to to experiment outside, of course, you're doing this because you want to add this in your curriculum, but also for a future. And this is something that Canada can offer. I was reading some statistics and 35% of international students that come to Canada, they stay here in Canada after all. And really, I'm of course I cannot talk on behalf of any other country, but I can see this is a definitely unique. And they not only they come and can stay, there is a possibility to stay, they feel welcome here. Exactly what Teb was mentioned, that we are open for that, you know, and there is an opportunity yeah. here. This is why Canada it's so so special when we when we talk about international students come here to try to discover the country and maybe that become their home. And this is why I think Canada is very, very special. Excellent yeah.
6: point. Can I just jump yeah. in and just say, I can think of no country that has aligned its growth to international students mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in, in terms of its economy, its labor force, uh, and its future. Other countries allude to it, but we've made that very explicit. And I think that's the one welcome doormat you always want to see, that if I graduate here, what's the potential? You know, you, you have potential to have a work permit, you have a potential migra- migration path. And, like many Canadians, you can live in one place, holiday in your home country, and nobody cares about it. You, that's that's the welcoming nature of Canada. Yeah. It's
2: definitely a win-win. You know, yeah. Yeah. When you come here to do any type of a, a study program, it's a win-win. You can go home with a, a different experience, with a different degree, or you can stay here. Yeah. And yeah. again, there is nothing to lose. And I think this is what uh, makes Canada so special.
4: I think Canada's overall very welcoming to international students. Okay. And Craig, mm-hmm. you, you published lots of articles on many study destinations of course you're a canadian yourself right what are some of the concrete advantages for international students compared to other countries in terms of visa applications job opportunities i don't know cost of living uh, access to accommodation the quality of, of education some of those factors
3: i think it's all the points that we're talking about here at the excuse me the um, when you listen to those clips like the themes that come through are like looking to the future growth Opportunities after study, right? As Tevi is explaining, I think those are the key points that, that make you know quality of education, affordability, safety, welcoming society. Those are your baseline items for uh, for you know a, a competitive study destination. But then I think we see in Canada those future opportunities as well that are so important to so many students. You know, whether the students decide to settle in Canada or to work for some time after their studies and then return to their home country, you know, they're, we're building powerful links between those individuals, their home countries and communities, and the communities that they're studying in, in Canada. And I think that that's the powerful formula that we're seeing playing out across the country when it comes to international education.
4: Interesting, well Anna, as, as a representative of this table of, of an employer in Canada, you bring the students here, but do you also have like a, a policy to actually welcome international students to your workforce?
2: Yes, definitely. Yeah, we do have a, an amazing program that, and actually, we have one student now in our office in Montreal that is an international student. But there is also, and of course, I cannot disclose too much now. But there is a program that we are uh, working with uh, uh, with the government that we you you will allow to international students can come here and they can do a temporary work. Not even talk about like a long like coming here for post secondary. Even when you coming for a short period, you can. Take home the experience, and of course, Air Canada, as uh, we are always uh, hunting for new employees mm-hmm. and new blood, and mm-hmm. uh, of course, we're gonna be part of that, and we're welcoming any uh, anyone that wants to apply. Even internally, we have like a summer program, and pretty much I can tell you, half of the Air Canada employees they start as a summer uh, student, and then they never, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they Just, yeah. they never leave the, the the industry because it's so uh, it's such a passion. In but this is pretty much how, I have to tell you, how everybody started their Canada.
5: Yeah, and I'd like to add that for us, our students are often our biggest resource of employees later on because not only...
4: You're an employee uh, yourself as well, of course. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's not yes, only yes. Yeah. so yeah. we have
5: students yeah. who decide to come here maybe for a month. They come to Canada, they absolutely fall in love with it. They go off to a college, uh, they get their PGWP and they come back to us to, to work with us. And what a wonderful experience then to, to travel around the world and speak to students through their own experiences. I mean, we have a number of members here today who have gone through that path, Mm -hmm. right? So it's really sort of the experience of of Canada. That's what it is, right? It's that sort of, we say, the American dream, but actually it's probably the Canadian dream.
4: Canadian dream, that's very true. And that dream Mm -hmm. is, uh, I believe, very much powered by the hard work and partnerships with the agencies around the world. I believe, Craig, that the use of agencies in Canada is relatively high compared to other major study destinations. What is the reason behind that?
3: It's a great question, actually. Uh, and it's true that if, as you go around from destination to destination, you'll see that sort of the level of educator-agent engagement varies or perhaps it has a different uh, quality from, from country to country. Canadian institutions, I would say there probably are very few institutions and schools in Canada that are not working with agents yeah. in some capacity. Yeah. And the it probably harks back to, I think just culturally there's been an openness to, to engaging with agents. I think that many Canadian educators recognize agents as important partners but also kind of an important extension of the support services that many uh, work so hard to provide for students when they're in Canada. When you go back a little bit into history like even the last 20 years or so like canada now is one of the top comfortably one of the top four study destinations in the world there used yeah. to be much more distance between canada as a study mm-hmm. destination and other leading uh, other global leaders like the yeah. us and the uk in particular and so i think probably there was that's part of the culture of the industry in canada is a feeling that you're you're catching up a little bit right you're trying yeah. to get you're trying to get into the marketplace and so that, I think, has probably opened the door to a more uh, enthusiastic engagement with agents on the part of Canadian educators. Is Canada okay.
6: catching up? If I, if I can just <laughs> add to some of your comments there, just to yeah. recognize the primacy of the agent in the work we do. Like you said 20 years ago, nobody mentioned agents. Now, one of the job titles I have is agents relations specialist, primary uh, contact for agents. Mm-hmm. The manager is international enrollment and in agent relations. Mm-hmm. So we recognize the value that an agent relationship brings to the work we do, and uh, I want, we want to support them in every way we can mm-hmm. to ensure that their work is made easy. What if I understand, so we're talking about Canada, but I'm from Holland,
4: you know, Canada's probably this, would be the smallest province of this country. Canada is yeah. 10 provinces, and each province is already bigger than any European country, I believe, yeah. three <laughs> territories. How do these territories and, and provinces compare to each other? Are they all that appealing as well, or is there some, some major differences in, in popularity between cities, provinces, territories? Certainly, a very good question. <laughs> I think,
5: you know, in the past, we've always looked at Toronto and Vancouver as mm-hmm. the key destinations, but... Um, Saskatchewan, yes. the Saskatchewan. Yeah. I'd like to add to that in a yeah. few <laughs> minutes. <laughs> we'll we'll get, get to you. But, but, but we, we know <laughs> certainly that the East Coast has been incredibly popular. The government has been forward with, with quite a lot of different initiatives. Uh, but I think, you know, Canada has really opened up now. Quebec, look at the affordability in Quebec. It's absolutely fantastic. So many yeah, students... We're, we're talking about right? Quebec,
4: uh, Quebec after this section mm-hmm. indeed. Yeah. yeah which yeah. So
5: I think students are seeing Canada more than just Toronto and Vancouver, now Calgary, what a fantastic destination. Huge for the Colombian population, students are coming in, they're going to universities, and and really adding so much uh, diversity into the cities, which is what Canada is all about. Uh, Tebby, you you probably, I mean, you're coming.
6: Yeah, you know, having worked in British Columbia for most of my post-secondary career, and now moving to the province of Saskatchewan, it's like an outsider looking in, and I'm just amazed at the opportunities that what I perceive to have been sort of this hidden province in the middle of nowhere, it has amazing opportunities for students in terms of, well, first of all, low cost.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: The rent is like 50% less than what you would pay in a major city and, yep. you know, and there's field. housing available. And there's and housing it's available. <laughs> yeah. I should have a look. <laughs> and, 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 and this work, I mean, wow. the government, uh, the provincial government has hinged its uh, growth plan to migration mm-hmm. via international students. Yeah. So. You know and people recognize that value so what a, you know if you're gonna go look for a place where you can find affordable accommodation a welcoming environment and I'm not going to talk about the cold because it's a non-issue for me at this mm-hmm. point in time but mm-hmm. it's not it's, it's it's a wonderful place to, to live what's interesting is that you no longer need to live where
4: you work exactly. so would that add to the popularity of the more remote mm-hmm. places because Technically, uh, as a digital nomad, you could just stay in, uh, well, I'm just trying to think of a city in Canada's remote, but you're probably better at finding one, but uh, in any city somewhere far away, which is like a four-hour drive or 10-hour drive away, mm-hmm. that these places now also become more appealing and therefore some big more success yeah. opportunities for the education institutions in I these think, remote places, correct? I think that mm-hmm. definitely influences yes. people's yeah. Yeah. choices. <clears throat>
3: yeah. and, and nowadays, something that you hear about more is even just in a student context, like students studying in one city, and doing, like, a virtual internship with an employer in another yeah. city, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So more even it, if you have a more yeah. specialized field yeah. and, and you want to be in a larger marketplace, you can do that yeah. virtually, right? So it's, you think about the population base of Canada, never mind international students, how international students are distributed, but, I mean, the vast majority of the Canadian population is found within, you know, what yeah. is it, 100 miles of the U.S. border, mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. and especially concentrated in the cities, right? Mm-hmm. So Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, Montreal. right? Mm-hmm. That Those account for a large percentage of the total population in Canada. So we shouldn't be surprised that international student enrollments are similarly mm-hmm. concentrated in those locations. But I think that um, smaller cities and communities have much to offer mm-hmm. international students. I started my career in international education recruiting for a language school in Halifax. And I remember going to education fairs and putting up a banner behind the table, and all it said on the banner was, "Where in the world is Halifax?" Because <laughs> nobody had ever heard of it at that point, and uh, certainly We're just nobody. Assuming our audience knows yeah. where Halifax. Is. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. beautiful it
7: city is, on the is, uh,
3: on the east it's coast of Canada. Fastest growing city in Canada. Is it? I yeah. didn't know oh, that. Good fact. Go Halifax. I think that only goes to show that you can very successfully build international student Mm -hmm. programs Mm -hmm. outside of the major centres in Canada as well. Just to to add,
5: sorry, uh, my colleague Carolyn Bersou, who's not here, obviously she's our Pathways Director, Partnerships, and every day she's essentially saying how much, uh, because we've got partnerships across the whole country with, I think, 80 universities and colleges where we send students to those uh, institutions, and more and more students are asking from all over the world to go into the smaller cities yeah. mm-hmm. east yeah. coast and 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 again it's the affordability factor yeah. perhaps employability. less employability
8: yeah. so I was going to yeah. say
5: maybe that that sort of is, is less competitive safety, mm-hmm. safety. Mental health, yeah. and then of course some immigration policies mm-hmm. that yeah. are that yeah. are yes so and we we are seeing that with our student population that's choosing and the government is very supportive, you mentioned in a, yeah.
4: a conversation earlier during the event about the government mm-hmm. being supportive.
5: Yes, absolutely. The, government's, well, the government has done fantastically. I think we can be really proud of what our government mm-hmm. has done over mm-hmm. the last couple of years, allowing students to, like we talked, it's not just online, but starting online if they don't have their study permits. Uh, universities and colleges in return have come up with flexible refund mm-hmm. policies for students who don't have their study permits yet. So I think collectively, the government and the institutions have have a really fantastic opportunity for the students. And now they're coming here, right? So whether they, they started their program online, finished here, that time counted towards the postgraduate work uh, um, eligibility, which is amazing, right? Yeah. And, and, and that has been extended now again for yeah. students who are here. So it's just one thing after another, really, really positive.
3: Well, I think what's really interesting about Canada, and I was talking to somebody earlier today about the, just contrasting this with the sort of current context in the U.S. What's really interesting about Canada now is that those international recruitment goals that we have as a country are very strongly linked to government policy. Mm-hmm. So whether it's res- mm-hmm. with respect yeah. to post-study work rights or permanent settlement opportunities or, as you say, the opportunity to have more flexibility in terms of beginning your studies online and taking that, having that counting towards your uh, studies in mm-hmm. Canada. You know, those linkages, I think, are really you know, yeah. those are the most important levers mm-hmm. that any government has to uh, to play with in terms of yeah. uh, boosting the competitiveness mm-hmm. of, des- of yeah. a destination. Absolutely. And I just want to add to the
6: quality and the breadth of programming. I mean, we know that Canada has a very high uh, educational standard and level. And when you look at the PISA uh, rankings, mm-hmm. Canada is... Ranks in the top ten in terms of 15-year-olds in yeah. math and, and English, oh. and so I have that a 14-year-old who's doing his best to pull those numbers down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no. Go, no. Craig! <laughs> <But> what <laughs> you know, what I want to allude to is that it's it's what you put in is what you get out. So we spend a, a lot of money in terms of our. Oh, uh, uh, early education to ensure that when students graduate they they have the core competencies and skills to achieve in the post-secondary sector so when you come to Canada you will sit among Canadians who have the necessary skills to contribute to classroom discussions and bring and and keep the standards afloat keep the standards up so it's the the quality is there and I think if students are not sure about that they can look to those results to know where we stand in the world. This all sounds super positive
4: and I love a conversation about everything is great about Canada and trust me, I'm a big Canada fan and especially after this great event and being you, you have a Maple Leaf tattoo? I, well, almost, almost. Okay. In, in, maple, leaf, in maple Syrup. <laughs> yeah. But um, I actually went to the Leafs game. Oh, yeah. Right? Then so, that that you know, qualifies. you part of the Canadianization wow. process maybe, <laughs> More uh, if I've that's done. a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, all these positive things set aside every country has its challenges right but what are those for Canada?
1: Anna. Um, difficult question? yeah it's a difficult <laughs>
2: question I, even though our, our, our I think our problem I, I'm not don't know that this is the right word problem for international students especially me being a Latin it's how is the weather you know, there it's so, we can't fix that. <laughs> the sun's that. been yeah. shining, <laughs> but since we arrived no, it's here, it's <laughs> been <yeah. weather>. and, <laughs> and I think it's changing now, mm. and people start getting usually too That is not uh, July, there is no snow on the street here. Mm. Maybe should not, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe some hours we will. And I think always when we, uh, uh, promoting Canada as destination as for a student, I think this was always kind of the, 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 well, the questions, the you weather. know? Yeah. How about this, or even the, 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 the bilingual component, English yeah. and yeah. French, that of course, it's uh, an amazing thing that uh, Canada has, but i w- if they don't really know, they get a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not I'm not saying it is a problem, but the, the lack of knowledge, what they're gonna encounter here, mm-hmm. it's, uh, uh, I, I think that it's the issue that, uh, because we are such a big country, we are so diversity, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. in terms of city size, weather, mm-hmm. and uh, by language. Again, a lot of uh, uh, that is what I can see, that because we are so yeah. diverse that sometimes that lack of knowledge creates some barriers, if yeah. you will. Again, trying to push very hard to find yeah. a problem for Canada. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If weather
4: is the main problem, then you have a luxury issue. Yeah. <laughs> because,
9: <right? laughs>
5: like I'm trying to figure out actually what sort of challenges, because you know we've all been in this industry for so long, most of our careers anyway um and i'm just thinking back to like sort of the first days when we when we used to travel And we would go to Russia as an example. That was our, you know, that was one of our delayed Air Canada flights. I can cut this out, Anna. No, don't worry. worry. Pretty sure that was correct. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Or then was a GTA problem that Um, they don't strike now. (laughs) We cannot
5: get our passage
2: out of that. Uh, uh, (laughs) But it was kind of more about putting Canada
5: on the map at that time. I think 20-something years ago, we would go places, and people would say. Canada and, and really like you're talking about sort of that misconception yeah. of whether the bears that this and 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 I think we did all of us collectively did so much work around that I mean tens hundreds of thousands of millions of air miles uh, you know to, to, to get the, to those destinations and really talk about Canada and its opportunities I think we've done a pretty good job over the last 20 years where you yeah. said we're in the top four now so yeah. When I think about challenges, of course, every country will have their own challenges. We have longer visa processing time right now. But that's due to, you know, sort of pent up demand, what's happening in in, in Ukraine, right? Like we've got sort of our government has deployed a lot of resources to that, which is a positive thing. So I think we, you know, we just have to be patient with those types of things. There's not much we can do to uh, to influence. But I I would say perhaps that is, is one of the things.
6: Support the challenge that that's been highlighted around immigration visa processing times. Right. But I think about it this way: when you walk by a restaurant and you see it's empty, you walk away. You go and stand in line for the f- ah. restaurants that's full. So it's a popular place. So yeah. we have high demand. There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's no yeah. doubt about it. People want to come here. People want to come and raise their families here. So it's sort of, you know putting mm-hmm. a little stress on our immigration system, but mm-hmm. the government recognizes that mm-hmm. and they're putting Absolutely. more money into it and prioritizing international students. So I, I think, yes, it's going to be a little longer than what you would see if you were to go to New Zealand, for example, but I think it might well we be worth the extra few weeks of wait that you might experience. But we're all working to support the, the change to ensure that we have a faster processing uh, times of recess.
4: And it's of course very important that students that come to Canada are well prepared, that they know what is Canada like, what's the culture like, what are the cities like, what's the the public transit transit like, all these things. So that only emphasizes the very important role that agencies play, of Mm -hmm. course, Mm -hmm. as your partners to recruit students for Canada, not just for your enrollments, but also to prepare them for what they can expect Mm -hmm. in this uh, beautiful country. Well, thank you very much. Anna, Magda and Tebby, for your uh, valuable contributions and insights, we'll uh, let you go back to your business meetings as Craig and I proceed this episode with a closer look at the unique position of Canada's French-speaking province, Quebec.
0: Coming up is section two of the main topic, where we zoom in on the province of Quebec, after a brief message from our first sponsor, Centennial College.
4: And for the sponsored section, I'm here with... Craig Stevenson, president of Centennial College, who just held a very energized speech in front of the entire ice of Toronto audience. Thank you for that, Craig. It was really great to hear you speak so passionately about Centennial and about Canada. Talking about Canada, why do you think, Craig, that Canada is the number one choice for international students?
8: Thank you for the compliment. And thank you for the question, because I was an international student twice myself. And I have to say that I think... And I know that students are drawn to Canada because it is an open, accepting, and inclusive society, one that's conducive to professional growth. And if you look at the academic sector, they offer, and I've worked in three countries in seven post secondary institutions, and I really believe that. Which Canada, countries were they? Uh, it was the US, yeah. the UK, mm. and now Canada. Right. And, and I believe that the Canadian institutions offer an unparalleled academic experience at affordable prices and a quality student experience as well as part of that. And if you look at the colleges in particular, our students participate in hands-on learning, co-ops, internships that allow them to work in their field during their studies and when they graduate. And at Centennial, our interactive, world-class curriculum focuses on innovation skills development and job readiness centennial college graduates are globally competent certified prepared and empowered to work and to lead you can't but yeah, be no, excited fantastic. about I, it yeah no <laughs> I, I can i
4: can feel your passion and i'm sure our listeners can can as well especially craig you you yourself are from the north of england you're yes. so passionately about canada yes. that's interesting now of course canada north england the whole world comes out of pandemic we have been through a very difficult situation as an industry. Now we're coming out of it. What do you think are some of the trends in higher education post-COVID?
8: Such an important point because this is probably two of the most disruptive years yeah. in, the, in, in the last 50 perhaps in the higher education setting. But, but one of the things that I think is a silver lining is the fact that now we're talking about agility, we're talking about academic agility, we're talking about flexibility, we're talking about anywhere, anytime type of education. You can have hybrid, you can have high flex, you can be online, you can be on campus. So many opportunities. Pre-COVID, Centennial had one online program. Now we have 44, 14 more in the hopper. That is a strong story to tell. That's where it's going. We've got micro-credentials now that are coming in to upskill and reskill students for emerging careers and and promotions and three-year degrees. The Ontario college system has just been given the authority to offer three-year degrees. So many opportunities on the horizon. It's an exciting time to be working in higher education. It's an exciting time to be a student in higher education.
4: So, Craig, Centennial obviously came out of this pandemic stronger and with a bright future ahead. Now, if agencies or uh, or other organizations would like to work with Centennial, how can they contact you?
8: Well, I'm glad you raised that because agents are a, play a critical role. Without agents, we really mm. wouldn't be where we are today. And we want to work with agents who believe, like we do, in ethical internationalization and want to work in partnership to get those connections right and to really bring... F- to the fore, the dreams and aspirations of international students. So we're eager to work with agents as well. And we've got an international education department uh, with offices overseas, as well as our main offices in, in at Centennial uh, in East uh, Scarborough, East Toronto. And please, we're on the web. We're easy to, to track down. Right. And if you want to be in contact, please contact Virginia Machiavellio, who is the Associate Vice President of International Education and has worked with the college for a number of years and has worked with many agents.
4: Wonderful. Virginia Machiavelli sounds like a difficult name to write. So if you want, you can email us at podcast at isa.com and we'll put you in contact.
0: And now for section two of our main topic, where we focus on Canada as a study destination, we zoom in on the province of Quebec.
4: I'm sitting here at ISAF's French Education Event in Montreal with Diego Sanchez, Director of International Affairs at Languages Canada, Canada's National Association of Accredited English and French Language Education Programs. Martin Wood Director of Collège Habanon and George coury Principal Advisor for Opulence Education Group, parent company of Collège Avalon, and together we're going to briefly zoom in on Canada's French speaking province, Quebec. Monsieur, soyez bienvenue. Thanks for joining the ISAF podcast. As we've heard earlier in this podcast episode, Canada is a, is a very popular and attractive destination for international students from all over the world, but how does Quebec fit into that equation? For example, uh, George, Quebec is predominantly French-speaking. How does that affect its appeal as a study destination?
9: Well, Quebec has always been the best-kept secret in, for, of Canada. Uh, international students always went to Ontario, British Columbia, Alberta. And recently, there's a resurgence of interest in Quebec. Uh, partly because of its quality education. There are first-class uh, education establishment in Quebec You hear a lot internationally about McGill and Concordia and Polytechnique and so on. But there are lots of uh, higher education institutions that are recognized for their high-quality education. Uh, The French aspect is important. We're seeing that a lot more interest in international students wanting to learn French, wanting to be bilingual. And for Canada,
4: as we know, it's a huge advantage. Particularly in Quebec, right? It's a bit of the best of both worlds, I guess. Any international students who want to study English or in English can come to Quebec because it's bilingual. And if they want to study in French or in French, can also come to Quebec. Do you see those numbers rise as well, um, Diego? Just like George explained just now.
1: Yeah, true indeed. Uh, uh, the fact that you can have both worlds in the same city here in Montreal, in particular, uh, has become an advantage and obviously after students graduate their likelihood of finding a good job and well-paying job, be it in Canada or elsewhere, are much higher, right? Uh, The Canadian government, for instance, is always looking for bilingual individuals and students who come here to Quebec will always have that at the very end. So, for sure, and as uh, George mentioned, has always been a, a hidden gem, Quebec as a whole, but in particular Montreal, more and more people are coming here. You can see the city is very lively. You have more and more international flights coming into uh, Montreal, and it's part of the reason for that is obviously international students flooding our schools.
2: Well, let's
4: unhide that hidden gem. Let's share with our audience some of its uh, characteristics. Uh, what are some of those other characteristics, uh, George, of Quebec that make the province so unique now?
9: Yeah, there are many reasons why uh, Montreal has been ranked number one as a destination for international students. And that's part of the QS uh, survey that they do on a regular basis. So number one in North America, certainly, and number six around the world. So there are many reasons for that. One is the environment that the students are living in. It's a multicultural, multilingual environment. Uh, there are lots of attractions, so the city is exciting as a destination for students. Uh, secondly, Montreal has always welcomed uh, students. You walk in the streets of Montreal and just around where we are right now, where uh, ICEF uh, event was, you walk around and you see a lot of students from McGill around, going around. They all seem happy, they all mm-hmm. seem excited about being in the city. Uh, the, the quality of education, we mentioned that. Uh, the campus life is, is good, many multicultural opportunities there to, to meet people from all around the world. And the C- Quebec experience is different than, uh, than any other experience in Canada. So even if you've studied in other parts of Canada, you come to Quebec, you get that aspect that is, uh, that is very exciting for students.
4: Diego, when I hear all this, uh, you, you actually represent an organization that puts schools all across Canada. Do you have any research into why these students choose the different provinces, perhaps, and how Quebec is then uh, different from the other provinces?
1: Well, well, I have to wear my Quebec hat here because obviously I work for Languages Canada, but I myself live here in, yeah. in the city of Montreal. There's a reason for that. I love the city, so. Um, Students adapt very well to the French culture. For instance, Latin students, we see more and more students coming from Mexico or Colombia, Brazil, Latin America as a whole, but also Western Europe. They adapt very well because the culture is very similar. But we also have here in the city uh, pockets of uh, different cultures coming from Asia, India, China, Japan, Korea. Obviously not as big as what you have in Toronto or Vancouver, but coming into the city. The Quebec immigration process is very attractive. It it is very unique and through their studies, international students can come here, go to a private college, go to public institutions, universities, colleges, and they can stay. So uh, Quebec has always been very inviting of uh, international students and more and more people are learning about that and choosing to come here for that reason as well. Obviously, you have the fact that Montreal and Quebec City are not uh, expensive cities to live in, and yet you have amazing quality of life. You see more and more people coming here, not only international students, but people who are from Toronto or, or Vancouver that choose to come and move. So Canadians move into the city as well, again, contributing to a, a very interesting and and growing uh, environment so lots of options here obviously and uh, students are welcome there are spots available they can come to different uh, institutions there are places to live again accommodation in canada is slightly becoming an issue we are a victim of our own success but uh, in quebec we still have options so yeah. Still have options, still
4: room for growth. I mean, where should that growth be coming from? You've got your traditional source countries. I imagine, uh, uh, French-speaking African countries, you said the, the culture similarity with Latin American countries, a rise of students from, from Asia. Where do most future students come from to Quebec, would you expect, George?
9: Well, I think you've got the, uh, the markets, the emerging markets that we're talking about. Some of them have been identified by the federal government in terms of priority markets for us. Uh, these are untapped markets, uh, some are still in Asia, Southeast Asia. Uh, we, we know about the Philippines and uh, and Vietnam as being prime markets, uh, but there are other smaller uh, opportunities there. Also in uh, South America and Latin America, uh, we hear a lot about Colombia and Brazil, but then we're finding now that there are countries from Chile, Ecuador that are, that are growing in, in importance. And then uh, you've got the, uh, the Middle East, North Africa, uh, Eastern Europe uh, that are growing also. So we see that uh, developing over time and everybody's looking for diversification of their campus. To have that campus life that, yeah. is, uh, that is sought after by international students, that mix of cultures and so on. True. Diego mentioned the affordability, that's a huge uh, advantage also for Quebec and because uh, places like Ontario and BC are getting full and you know the the students are finding that they cannot... BC uh,
4: is British Columbia? Yeah, yeah. British yeah. Columbia,
9: exactly. So uh, in order for you to get into a program in, in, uh, in those uh, provinces now you have to wait a long time because it's full now for September, for January and so on. So the places are open here. Yeah.
4: Uh, we're, we're, it's a very welcoming environment. I can tell. I can tell. I've uh, experienced that myself. And um, how active is the government in terms of international education? Do organizations like Quebec International Montreal International provide support in the promotion of Quebec to international students specifically?
9: Yeah, I think they they play a major role in the promotion of, of Quebec. Uh, organizations like Quebec International or Montreal International, while they're promoting the city
4: itself of Quebec or or Montreal, they touch. Right. So then you've got the province Quebec, and then there's Quebec City, right? The That's Quebec, right. Yeah. And then Montreal is the largest city.
9: That's correct. And the Quebec government yep. is in events, uh, larger international events, uh, as promoting the province as a whole, uh, whereas the Quebec International and Montreal International focus on the cities. So between the three uh, organization and and the uh, to do organization and the government and some
1: of the associations. Uh, Quebec is is getting promoted as a destination of choice. And if I can add to that, obviously, Languages Canada, we do help to uh, represent not only uh, uh, Quebec, but the whole country. We recently brought a group of uh, 35 uh, Mexican agents to Quebec City, and we're going to be doing something similar with Colombian uh, agents. We're bringing them here to Montreal, because obviously having them here, it helps nothing best uh, to have someone outside of the country to promote your province or destination, then have them come and experience firsthand, right? And how can you not fall in love with Montreal, Quebec? It's very easy. So, for them going back, promoting the city, promoting the province, but also our institutions, it's so much easier. So, that's that's a lot uh, uh, to be done out there, and Languages Canada has been contributing to that as well, for sure. Yeah, yeah
4: now of course I think the growth of the number of students in, in Quebec is, of course, largely due also to the great relationships that exist with student recruitment agencies in all these regions and countries that uh, were just discussed and mentioned. Um, I hope you have met with uh, with a good number of agencies over the past two days here at uh, ISEF French Education in Montreal, and I wish you lots of success in the further promotion of Quebec as a study destination. Thank you very Thank much. much. Thank,
0: Thank you. you. Coming up, our final section, Keys to the Market, with a focus on Iran. But first, here is a brief message from our second sponsor, College Avalon.
4: Martin, College Avalon launched in 1995
7: in Quebec City and now new campus in Montreal. What else can you tell us about the College Avalon? Yeah, College Avalon have two campuses. That's what you said right now, in Quebec City and Montreal, where we can give course in French and English both languages and with part of Languages Canada since last November. So it's a very big thing for us to be part of Languages Canada because after that the student can start with us, have difficulty with the languages and go on the a regular program, two age program something like that. So Montreal we can have those programs in French, English, both of them they can choose. The student can choose all one of the, the order, and Quebec City just French, that's for sure, because Quebec City is a very French city. Not a lot of person, people over there are speaking English, so that's why it's only in French. But Montreal, is a brand new campus. We opened that campus two years ago, just before uh, COVID, and uh, right now it it's situated downtown Montreal, so it's five minutes walk from uh, metro station. Okay, and. Um, so we have three programs right now in Montreal, two programs 24 months and the other program in 15 months. So the student, when they come to Quebec, that's for sure, they can apply for PGWB and uh, so they can stay in Canada for three years after that.
4: Yeah, that makes, of course, very appealing. And when I mean, you see these bilingual programs uh, in Montreal, so it's either French or English, or can they also somehow combine?
7: Either French or English, yeah. but the best thing is they can start and program in English and follow the course in French after that for language of school. Right, right. So that, that's the best thing yeah. and if the student can do that, it's going to be easy to, for them to apply for a job in Montreal or Quebec City after that right. because the most important thing in Montreal, you need to speak French a little bit, yeah, at least to work. A yeah,
4: a peu, um, We talked earlier in the podcast about the um, lower cost of living in Canada compared to other destinations. How is that for the tuition fees of Collège know?
7: Tuition fees at Collège Avalon for international students around $24,000 for a two-year program and $17,000 for a 15-month program. Canadian dollars, great. Canadian dollars.
4: For anyone who wants to receive more information about Collège Avalon, please go visit collègeavalon.com. And you can also send an email to info at collègeavalon.com. And just to be clear, Collège Avalon, C-O-L-L-E-G-E, Avalon is A-V-A-L-O-N. Thank you very much, uh, Martin. Thank you.
0: And now, in the final section of this episode, we look at keys to the market. And this month, we focus on Iran.
4: Keys to the market. Well, a country we're discussing this month, uh, Craig, is a country that is famous for its history, culture, world heritage sites, Uh, a country called Iran, or some even, or still call it Persia. A country with nearly 100 million inhabitants, I think it's like 83 million or so, but only 60,000 international students, and we can all assume the reasons why it is that not more students study abroad. Um, Well, let's look at some of those reasons, Craig. Is, Is Iran an attractive country for institutions to focus on, or are there too many challenges and hurdles in that respect?
3: Well, I, no, I think it really is. Actually, it's it's a it, it, in some respects it's one of the one of the really important growth markets uh, in terms of emerging markets for for student recruitment. Um, but it has a couple of distinct characteristics. One is that uh, the demand in, among Iranian students is very heavily weighted to postgraduate studies, to masters and doctorate level study, and uh, for the simple reason that there's a significant like demand supply gap in the Iranian higher education system in that respect some of the statistics that i've seen suggest that mm-hmm. less than 10% of the Iranian students that apply to domestic institutions for postgraduate studies gain you know, domestic admission yeah oh. so it's uh, so so what i mean to say is Iranian students applying to Iranian universities yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so there are literally hundreds of thousands that cannot get university spaces in iran they need to go abroad that's not easy either. It's not easy either, but it does that demand gap puts Iran at, in the eyes of the British Council. They did they did some really interesting modeling on postgraduate demand, and um, but the British Council determined that uh, Iran was one of the fastest growing markets for postgraduate recruitment. And was likely to be at the forefront in terms of sending markets for postgraduate students through the rest of this decade, so that's the the quality of the demand. There are, as you suggest, some practical constraints that that um, that intrude in terms of recruitment in Iran. One is that just international relations generally. Mm-hmm. There, there obviously there's a lot of tension between the U.S. and Iran right now. The U.S. is the traditional leading destination for outbound iranian students yeah number one and yeah mm-hmm. but now iran, iran is under u.s sanctions yeah. uh, r- relations relations have deteriorated quite a bit the last few years and so that makes it obviously more difficult for students to uh, obtain a study visa to pursue their studies in the u.s we are seeing significant increases in iranian enrollment in other destinations here we sit in canada at ISF toronto and um, looking at just the Iranian numbers coming into Canada, they have more than doubled in the last five years. So from about seven thousand students five years ago to let me check my numbers, just under seventeen thousand students last oh, year. Definitely more than doubled. Yeah. So yeah, so it's it's like that's some of that is students that are that are, you know, being diverted from the U.S. Basically, uh, certainly, but some of it is that underlying. Demand, is there effort from out.
4: Canadian institutions or governments to welcome Iranian students?
3: Yes, there. I mean, uh, Canadian universities in particular would be would be actively recruiting in Iran in one respect or another. There obviously are challenges with like traveling to the market, uh, and it is a market that relies on close ties, personal ties uh, between partners, and so it's one of those markets where there's a real special case to be made for having effective agency relationships on the ground in Iran to provide that local support and to uh, help assist the students in moving to their studies abroad. Yeah. yeah, You just mentioned
4: sanctions, indeed, because that's one of the first thing I would think of Iran. There's lots of sanctions there which would probably make it difficult for students to actually go overseas, to fund it. Yeah. On the other side, you could, you could assume or you, know, you could say that Iranian students who have to go through so much more efforts to actually enroll in the institution overseas, are therefore more motivated.
3: Yeah, yeah. You could. I think you could certainly imagine that's the case. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, it's it is more difficult to move students and to move money out of Iran, uh, which makes it a difficult, you know, a more challenging country to work within. But yet, it's hard to overlook the the scale of the demand there, and especially if you're an institution that's recruiting. Uh, For advanced degrees, uh, for doctoral study or for master's study. I mean, you see, students that are coming out of Iran are just like really well qualified. You know, it's not unusual to see, you know, Iranian students doing really interesting research work in the US and in Canada and other destinations. And uh, so that also makes them kind of a sought after student population by you know, some of the world's top universities. Right.
4: Well, good to hear that there's growth in in Iranian students uh, studying overseas and that that apparently is an uh, attractive market for uh, institutions and schools to consider. So for those interested to meet with qualified and carefully screened Iranian student recruitment agencies, you may want to consider attending ISAF Dubai in February next year or of course ISAF Berlin at the end of October this year. Lots discussed in this episode, very focused, very much on, on Canada. And I thank again all our guest speakers. Uh, thank you all for tuning in again and for spending some of your valuable time with us. And we look forward to uh, welcoming you back to the ISAF podcast next month when the episode will be recorded live from ISAF, ANZA, Australia and New Zealand.
0: For more information about the topics we've discussed in this episode, please visit isefmonitor.com. And don't forget to share your feedback and questions with us directly via podcast at isef.com. This episode was sponsored by Centennial College and College Avalon.